You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon. Hello and welcome back to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast, part of the 90 Min Football Network. As ever, I'm your host, Harry Simu, and on this edition, we're going to be discussing who should be named Arsenal's February Player of the Month, and we're going to be continuing to react to the news that Arsenal match day and season ticket prices will be increasing ahead of next season by 4%. Now, I dropped a little video earlier on for our YouTube viewers in which I discussed it, talked about why I actually understand the clubs, I guess, need or, or, or at least the feeling that they need to do this um, going into, you know, what's going to be a difficult period. And, and what has come in, you know, we've been in a difficult period for a long, long time um, in terms of, of kind of the pandemic and, and all the other stuff. And obviously there's a war going on at the moment and all of those things combined have led to, you know, a huge raising the kind of or, or increasing the rate of inflation. And I think that Arsenal have taken this step because they felt they needed to or that it would go some way in helping them move forward, um, as opposed to it being something that they just felt like doing or, or wanted to do. I do think there is a more of a need maybe to do this than people are kind of uh, un, uh, people are saying or or people are wanting to admit. So yeah, lots and lots to get into, but we're going to kick off by talking about the player of the month stuff. That is far more positive and going to be far more enjoyable to discuss. Now, I'm really interested to hear who you guys think should be named Arsenal's player of the month for February, because interestingly, you know, there's been a few options floated around. There's been uh, different players that I I've seen thrown into the mix. And when I look at who Arsenal have put in the vote, and I'll just bring the tweet up that they put out earlier on, uh, which was encouraging people to vote. Let me just share that uh, for those of you watching us live on YouTube. The uh, players that made the shortlist are Gabriel, Bukayo Saka, Thomas Partey and Martin Erdegaard. So they are the four that Arsenal have put out there for you to vote on. Now, for me, it's between two players. OK, and, and I'll come on in a second to kind of uh, give you guys who my two are, the reasons why I think it's those two, and then make my decision on who I think should get the gong uh, come the end uh, of this uh, this voting period. But obviously, it's over to the fans. It's in the fans' hands. And uh, and so my opinion, although it doesn't carry much weight, um, you know, it might not mirror necessarily what everybody else thinks. Who do you guys think? Let me know in the live chat should be named Arsenal's Player of the Month for February. I mean, Martin is quite clear on this. He says, big up everyone, but Player of the Month isn't even a debate for me. It's Odegaard. He's literally the cog that keeps this team ticking. Um, just going back to the ticket prices thing, Henry Gunas says, evening H, it's the first time prices have gone up in eight years. Keep the faith. Come on, you gunners. Um, I think it's seven years, if I'm not mistaken, but the point still stands, right? Um he also then goes on to say that Ben White or Odegaard should be named Arsenal's player of the month. Bosni uh, has gone with Odegaard. He said Odegaard is the man, even though he hasn't made many goals directly. He is the maestro of the team 
and is uber important. Uh, Cena also says uh, Martin Odegaard, but has gone with the more attractive name of Martin Odegaard um, in terms of uh, paying tribute to the Norwegian and all that he's brought to the team since arriving on a permanent transfer in the summer from Real Madrid. Um, let's keep uh, moving uh, through this uh, and see what you guys are saying. Let's gauge an understanding of where you guys are at on this particular subject. Steve Stone uh, says out of the four of them, and that's Gabriel, Saka, Partey and Odegaard, he would go with Odegaard as well. Um, Harold says, can it be anyone else other than Oniestegaard? <laughs> Um, Mint says Odegaard for me, fantastic talent. What a skill, uh, what a steal, not skill uh, at 30 million. Uh, Gautam has gone with Odegaard. Tezo says easy choice, Odegaard. Um, and Afsar says I used to call him Wodegaard, but now I call him Captain Odegaard. Right, so for me, it's, it's really easy to narrow this list down to two, and I'm going to narrow it down to Thomas Partey and Martin Odegaard. I think those two have been standout performers in recent weeks. I, I really, really do. And, you know, when I think back to kind of my assessments of, of Thomas Partey, perhaps earlier on in his Arsenal career, he, he always struck me as someone that had the ability, the potential, the quality to really be a game changer. I think I called him a transformational midfielder in the sense that he could transform the fortunes of our entire midfield when he was on top of the game and therefore have a really big and positive influence over the team. But there's been too many games with Thomas Partey throughout his Arsenal career, and I'm not talking about recently, where he's flattered to deceive, where he's not performed at the level I'd expect the £45 million midfielder uh, to perform. And he's looked like, I'm not going to say he's looked like a bad signing, but he hasn't lived up to the hype that came with him when he arrived at the club. Now, on the one hand, I think that the hype thing is is never something that you can really kind of put at the player's door. You know, it's not Thomas Partey that came in and created and generated all this hype. It's the fact that we as a fan base hyped him up. You know, it was very much, well, we haven't had a proper central deep-lying midfielder like Patrick Vieira for many a years. And all of a sudden we've got Thomas Partey. And many of us had probably convinced ourselves that he was going to solve all of those issues that had, you know, really it really sort of been present for Arsenal for so, so many years. And the injuries, along with some up and down performances, have have pe probably pegged a few people back um, and have made people feel like, mm, you know what, maybe we went a little bit overboard. Maybe we went a little bit over the top uh, on the Thomas Partey hype train. But I'll tell you what, in the last few weeks, I think he's been brilliant. And particularly with this kind of tweak to the formation where we are now asking Granit Xhaka to push that a little bit further up on the left-hand side, leaving Thomas Partey very much at times as a single uh, deep-lying midfield uh, kind of figure. I think he's done that really, really well. And I think the fact that he's done that really well has facilitated some really good performances. I thought we were really, really good um, against Brentford. I know we only won the game 2-1 in the end, but I thought the way we controlled the game and dominated Brentford and suffocated them was largely due to Thomas Partey doing that role so brilliantly and then enabling Granit Xhaka to get forward and help with the press and help squeeze, um, you know, squeeze Brentford right back. If you think back to the away win at Wolves, 
um, on February the 10th. I thought he was really, really good in that game. And again, played a similar role. And if you think about the game against Wolves uh, this Thursday just gone, I thought he was equally important. I thought um, the other night that that was a lesson in midfield sort of play. You know, he'd, he'd come up against some really good, um, you know, technical midfielders in Jao Moutinho and Ruben Neves, who also bring a physical side to the game as well. They're very good at pressing, snapping at people's heels, closing down the right spaces. And the way he was just so elegant and sort of shaking people off and uh, and managing to kind of wriggle out of certain situations and set Arsenal on their way was really, really impressive. And I think he was probably one of the best players, if not our best player that night overall. I thought he was brilliant. Uh, I really, really did. And look, I've always wanted him to do well at Arsenal. You know, of course I do. I, I have the interests of the club and the team at heart all the time. And But there have been times with Thomas Partey I felt underwhelmed. But that doesn't mean I can't give him praise and credit where it's due. And it really is due at this moment in time because he's been brilliant. The other player for me, as I said, is, is Martin Odegaard. And I know he's an overwhelming favourite with you guys in terms of who should be given this award. I think, as you, as someone so rightly said, might not score the goals, might not be the guy that plays the pass, the final pass, but is very much Arsenal's maestro. And I said it on the show the other day, if Martin Odegaard ticks, Arsenal tick. Martin Odegaard is a rhythm setter, uh, a pace setter, a tempo setter. Some clubs have those in deeper positions. You know, a player that's probably been labelled as that is is somebody like Jorginho, uh, who plays in a much deeper position, of course. But Martin Odegaard does it from a much more advanced position and is so, so uh, effective in pressing as well. His work rate is unbelievable. Um, his attitude is spot on. And there's a lot to be pleased about when it comes to the Norwegian. As one of you said, £30 million for a player of that calibre is an absolute steal. And he's showing himself to be more and more important each week that passes. And at the end of the day, um, this, this is not an easy decision for me to pick between the two. I know that the general consensus and the popular vote would go to Martin Odegaard. But I just think that a lot of the good that we've seen from Arsenal in recent weeks has been facilitated by Thomas Partey's ability to play that role that he's now being asked and play it to a really high level. He's clearly been working on his fitness. He's clearly been working on his sharpness. And we're finally starting to see the best out of Thomas Partey. So based on February alone, where we've only played three fixtures, we played Wolves away on February 10th, Brentford at home on February 19th, and uh, Wolves, of course, again at home, on February 24th. When I'm taking into account those three fixtures in isolation, I think you got to give it to Thomas Partey. And I know that, you know, a lot of people will, will disagree with that and that's absolutely fine. But I just think to see Thomas Partey raise that level so dramatically over the space of a month is is something that deserves much credit and much praise. And if we're looking at this period in isolation, then I think he comes out slightly on top. I think that Martin Odegaard has been much better for us over the course of the entire season. But Thomas Partey, based on those three games for me, just edges it. So he is my Arsenal player of the month. And I think it would do him the world of good, you know, to get that bit of confidence, that bit of additional confidence to, that kind of says that what you're doing um, and, and what you're bringing to the table is really, really making an impact. I think that spurs people on. And, and I'd hope that Thomas Partey, if he did pick up this award, would would take that 
uh, in the right way and, and use it as something more to kind of boost his confidence. Because we know when he's at the top of his game, we know when he's confident, when he's willing to strut his stuff, that Thomas Partey is a wonderful player. It's just unfortunately for a combination of reasons, largely because he's never looked sharp enough, never looked fit enough, never stayed fit enough for a long period of time, hasn't been at his best at Arsenal, but we're finally starting to see um, what all the hype and what all the shouting was about. So, um, yeah, good to see Thomas Partey performing and he is my uh, February player of the month for Arsenal. Um, Martin AFC says, that Harry, hold up, can we critique Partey's shooting? It is dreadful, isn't it? It is absolutely dreadful. I'll give you that. And um, and I was uh, I, I was at the game on Thursday and, and somebody behind me, I don't know who he was, he wasn't a regular, um, was just constantly shouting, shoot, shoot, when Partey was getting the ball like 40 yards out. Like, what on earth is wrong with you? Have you not watched Thomas Partey in an Arsenal shirt and you're shouting, shoot, absolute craziness. But yeah, um, that's... Um, that's my uh, take on the player of the month debate. So Thomas Partey for me. Uh, let's go over to the comments. Um, Trevor says, I think now we're starting to see what we've paid that big money for. He just has to be more consistent for me. Uh, Jorn says, uh, Martin Odegaard for me. But I'm thinking even Xhaka has had a very good month. I'm thinking we're too biased against Xhaka. Yeah, I, I don't think that Xhaka... Um, I think there's a debate that says he could go into the four. But I wouldn't put him um, in my top two, and I and I agree with you. Like I, I wouldn't give him this, you know, I wouldn't give him this this award. Um, you know, I think he's been good. I think he's been solid, but he's not in the conversation for me this month. Although you are right, there is this bias towards him, and there is this reluctance, I think, from a lot of uh, people associated with Arsenal to shower him with praise uh, because of history, and uh, and sometimes. You know, we can have preconceptions, but the fact is we were a much better side with him in it than when we than we are with him without him in it. Sorry. Uh, Terence says, uh, talking about Odegaard, he says, a bit like Burkamp, he made Arsenal tick and was so much more important to us than Henri. Interesting. Um, Gautam says, uh, Thomas Partey has been defensively for the team what Odegaard has been for the team offensively. Yeah, agreed. And I think that, you know, we've, we've at times we've, just about scraped over the line. You know, we went to Wolves in February at the start of the month. As I mentioned, we won by a goal to nil. We had to defend very well. It was all hands on deck. And then Brentford, you know, we didn't convert anywhere near enough of our chances, but we came out on top because at least for the most part, we defended well enough. Um, we obviously attacked well as well, but we couldn't put the kind of icing on top of the cake. And, you know, the game on Thursday... I think that Thomas Partey had a massive impact and really set the the, the kind of standard in midfield. Um, William says, Thomas has been massive since he came back early from AFCON and had a howler. He's got a great mentality to turn his performances around so fast. Um, I knew we wouldn't be able to escape the Xhaka talk. Afsar says, Harry, Xhaka up front there means we will be exposed a lot at the back, isn't it? Um I think that there will be games where I'd rather see him sit deep alongside Thomas Partey. Yeah, of course, because I think it does. You know, one of the things I've praised Granit Xhaka for in recent seasons is that he's given us that bit more security defensively to, you know, make sure that we stay in games and make sure that we don't give away silly things. But, um, you know, asking him to play further up the pitch, of course, does have its risks and does have its issues. But also, 
playing with the the kind of two number eights, if you like, it means that your pressing can be more effective. And it means that you can constantly create those overloads in the two wide areas, which I keep talking about, um, by sending that midfielder out there because he's closer to the play. And I think that's benefited us in terms of our attacking play more than it's hindered us from a defensive standpoint. Okay, uh, what else have we got? Uh, Zephyr goes back to Odegaard. He says, um, Odegaard type of player is the, an Odegaard type of player is the reason I fell in love with football. Um, Martin says, I absolutely hate Xhaka, but yeah, he's been good lately. He has, he has indeed. And Steve goes on to say that Xhaka isn't as bad as many make out. He's always part of the conversation though, isn't he? He wasn't even in the four. He wasn't even going to be discussed today, but somehow we've managed to take the, uh, the conversation over to Granite Xhaka. Okay. So that's my player of the month, uh, for February from an Arsenal perspective, Thomas Partey, just edging. Martin Odegaard for me, just because of how much he's picked it up and how much of an impact those solid performances in the heart of midfield have had on Arsenal's um, decent run of form uh, recently. Okay, if you are listening via audio, we're going to take a short pause for a message from our sponsors. We'll be back in just a second. Okay, just before we continue through the show, we've got plenty more to get through. We're going to be discussing the rise in ticket prices ahead of next season, which was announced officially today. And we're going to take some of your questions from the live chat before we wrap up. But before we dive into the second part of the show, I just wanted to make you guys aware of our new partnership with Football Prizes. Head over to Football Prizes. The link is in the description below. And you can earn the chance to go into the draw for this signed and framed Thierry Henry Arsenal shirt. The way it works, you go over to the website, you buy yourself a ticket. You've got to be in it to win it, right? You buy yourself a ticket, you go into the draw and one winner will be picked and sent this wonderful prize. Now, each ticket costs £4.95 and there are 99 tickets in the draw in total. That ends at 7.30 p.m. on Thursday. We're going to keep reminding you up until that point. It's a wonderful prize. I would love to have it hang, hanging up in here behind me. Uh, just 4 95 for your chance to win a signed and framed Arsenal shirt by the king himself, Thierry Henry. Check out Football Prizes. The link is in the description and we thank them uh, for our brand new partnership. Okay, uh, let's keep uh, moving uh, through the show. Let's move on to the ticket price thing. Now, I, I touched on this, as I said, for our audio listeners, you won't know what I'm talking about. But for those of you that are, are subscribed on YouTube, you'll have seen that I dropped a short video earlier on today talking about this because when it came out, um, and, and look, it came out today officially, but I think we all knew that this was coming. We discussed it in the past and and obviously it was one of those things that was kind of like many things these days, the world's worst kept secret. But um, it is, look, it's one of those things that I don't like. I'm never going to like the fact that something I was paying one price for is now more expensive. But do I get why Arsenal are doing it? Yeah, I do. Um, as I said on that video earlier on, I think the cost of living, the cost of everything, of fuel, of energy, of food, of anything, you name it, has increased. And I felt that as somebody who runs his own home and has a family to look after, I felt that in the last couple of months. And I think it's probably going to get worse. 
Um, you know, not to make this an economics lecture, but that's that's how I feel about the current situation. And I think that as a consequence of that, if we're going to talk about fuel prices going up, about gas prices going up, potentially, if we're going to talk about all the other things that have, have increased in price, then we shouldn't be surprised that Arsenal have made this move. Now, some of the opposition to it has been, well, this is only going to generate X amount of money for Arsenal over the next year. Therefore, was it worth it? Um, was it worth pissing off the fans uh, by going down this route? And, and my answer to that would be, well, to quote Tesco's, every little helps, right? You, you, kind, of, you kind of need to except that if everything and anything is going up, that this is going to go up. Now, it's not nice. And was this an opportunity maybe for KSE to come out and and say, well, we did plan to raise the ticket prices ahead of the 2022-23 season. Um, however, having reviewed it, we are going to personally, as in KSE, the company, we are going to take care of that deficit of £2.8 million, which they're quite happy to give to players when they're trying to kick them out the door. Um, you know, we're going to take that on the chin so that we don't have to put the ticket prices up. And if we got to the year after and they did have to then do the increase, I think people would go, well, look, fair enough. They kind of kept with us for a year. You know, they 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 delayed it by a year by kind of swallowing it and taking it on the chin. And for me, that was a, a really golden opportunity from KSE to, you know, to score some further points. I think they did score some points last summer when they spent a lot of money during the pandemic, which not many people expected them to do. And I think the the, the greater communication that we've seen from them, the promise of renovations at Emirates Stadium over the summer has also got them some brownie points. But this was a really good opportunity that would have essentially cost them maybe three million pounds, but would have been one of the best PR moves they could have ever made during their time um, as custodians, if you like, of Arsenal Football Club. So maybe an opportunity missed for KSE to uh, win some further goodwill with the fans. But I'm not look, I'm not outraged by it. I'm I'm a bit disappointed. I, I didn't want it to be the case, but inflation is something that we're going to see everywhere and across the board. And a football club is a business like any other business. Uh, you know, I've I've noticed my local takeaway costs more money now than it did a few months ago. Everybody's doing it. Everybody has to do it. Yeah, it's different in the sense of that's a local business owner who, you know, has to make sure that they're they're swimming above the surface and we're talking about a, a billionaire here in Stan Kroenke who could probably quite easily swallow that kind of loss without batting an eyelid but it's um it's something that Arsenal probably feel they need to do in order to at least um you know make progress in in fixing the balance sheet and showing the balance sheet uh, in a better light like you can't have a business that is failing financially, which we know that Arsenal is at the moment, given what we're going to see in terms of the losses and all of that, and refuse to um, take measures to try and fix that. I mean, that might even be a condition of um, of some of the loans they've got, that they have to be seen to be trying to fix the deficit and, and, and have to be seen to be taking action. Uh, you know, that could be part of it as well. I don't know that for a fact. I'm, I'm speculating, but I know that 
when um, when I was working in the banking industry and we had people that you know couldn't pay things back or or were struggling to pay things back, we'd always do something or the bank would be quite active in saying, well, you know, what can you afford and can we come to some kind of um, agreement here? But that would often have conditions, you know, that would often have conditions to it. And and that could be the case here. I'm not sure, you know, I'm, I'm speculating, but 4%, not ideal. It's going to hit me. It's going to hit everybody. But you know, as I say, it's not something that Arsenal are doing exclusively. And I've seen other people, you know, in, in the video I did earlier, some of the comments were along the lines of, well, I don't see other clubs increasing their prices. There have been plenty of other Premier League clubs who have increased their prices. I think Everton was one of them that announced it very, very recently. Um, and, and that was met with, with frustration from some of their fans. But you know, remember, Arsenal haven't raised the prices. They've frozen the prices for the past seven years. It was always going to happen at some point, guys. And um, unfortunately, it's now. But yeah, um, it is what it is. And uh, we take it on the chin and hopefully we're in the Champions League next year. So at the very least, we're watching Champions League football with that money. That'd be good, wouldn't it? OK, uh, let's take some of your questions and some of your thoughts on the topics discussed or indeed anything else. Um, uh, for the uh, remainder of the show. We've got around about 15 or so minutes left, so do get involved. For those of you asking about the Members Mailbag podcast, that is dropping tomorrow at lunchtime. Finally getting around to doing it uh, just because uh, work's been absolutely manic. And as you can probably tell, I'm feeling a bit shit again uh, by my throat. So, um, yeah, we'll we'll get that out for you guys tomorrow lunchtime. So I very much look forward to bringing you that. Uh, just going back to that discussion, um, Martin says, uh, inflation is something we can't avoid. Virgin put my mobile bill up by 11%. Everyone's at it, sadly. Agreed. Um, Terence Tibb says, the thing is, Harry, Arsenal already have the highest ticket prices in Europe for not a very good product. Well, there are reasons, though, Terence, that Arsenal have uh, higher ticket prices that go beyond just the level of the team. You know, the fact that we're in London means our running costs in a lot of ways are, are more, are higher than some of the clubs outside of London. That creates a, um, you know, a, a difference. It really does. You know, you, you look at the fact that Arsenal's financial model is the way it is. You know, we don't have a an owner who's willing, like Roman Abramovich, to loan the club £1.5 billion out of his own pocket just because he fancies it or feels like, you know, he can he can spare it. The way we run, the way we operate, and also the other thing that a lot of people always miss is that Arsenal include cup fixtures in their season tickets, whereas a lot of other clubs don't. And so we are paying for more games. And so when you actually break it down and look at the difference in terms of cost per game, it isn't always as as dramatically different to some of our peers as, as you might think. Now, I've got a lot of Tottenham supporting friends who say that, well, yeah, yours is much more expensive, but you get the cup games. We have to buy the cup games. So by the time we buy them, actually, the difference is minuscule. And I think that's something that a lot of people miss as well. It's you know, you see it on on all these like tables and, and kind of charts that people seem to put around social media. And they say average season ticket price um, 
is, you know, it is this at this club. But they don't go into the specifics and break down what that season ticket includes. And if you think back to when Arsenal were in the Champions League and the Europa League, it included seven cup games. Seven. If you paid £35 on average, let's just say, um, £35 times seven, that's another couple of hundred quid. It's another £245. Now, we didn't always play all seven. And if we didn't, that amount was then refunded to us on the next year's renewal, um, but on the renewal price. But yeah, it, you know, that can then explain that disparity between some of our prices and some of the others. Now, I know a lot of people won't like this and I know a lot of people would disagree. I'm not happy with the increase, but it's something that I was expecting. So what do you want me to do? Pretend that I'm outraged about it and go mad and start screaming down the camera. This is not the channel or podcast for that. Uh, Harold says, uh, how are the electricity prices in the UK here? They've been colossal clubs having problems surviving. Yeah, they've been, you know, they've increased dramatically. I think mine's pretty much doubled over the last few months. Um, so, uh, yeah, it's um, it's it's a problem that uh, everybody's facing at this moment in time, for sure. Uh, Afsar says, smash the likes now. Yes, please do. Uh, please do hit the like button. It really, really does help if we could get as many on the board as possible. It would be great. Um, it really, really does help. And of course, subscribe to the channel if you're new as well. That helps too. Okay. Um, Inter says, if we don't get Europe next season, do you think they'll scrap the ticket price increase? No, I think that you'll still see the 4% increase in the tickets for the games that we will be participating in. Remember, there's different season ticket prices depending on what we're competing in. So let me just bring this up and I'll show you. I'll show you what uh, what Arsenal um, put out earlier on today. So hold on, because there was a bit about this, which I'll, you know, it's better that I share it with you rather than paraphrase and, and basically... Um, give off any false information but basically this is there was a little table here um that here we go so the price does vary right so the average season ticket price with uefa champions league football is 1219 pounds with uefa europa league it's 1095 so there's about 100 pounds difference 110 pounds difference whether arsenal play in the europa league or the champions league and then with no europe there's a further 80-odd pounds difference. So that 4%, I'm assuming, would be applied on whichever category we end up falling into based on this because of, you know, what competition we're playing in. So, um, no, I think, I think the general increase of 4% will be there regardless of what competition we're in, but it will then be applied to these prices uh, that Arsenal have um have uh, put up on the website for everybody to see head over to arsenal.com you can you can check it out if you want to see it in a bit more detail uh big hello to chris who says hey harry hope you're well bud taking you back to the player of the month award don't you think lacquer deserves it two assists and one goal which was awarded as an own goal in a month that we only scored five goals it's a really really good point um you know it is a good point and, you know, I don't really class the one the other night as an own goal. And and the assist away at Wolves, I thought was was really clever, was really smart, was really brave that he put himself in there. And um, off the back of it, uh, you know, he's uh, he's made a big impact. I think he's probably in the conversation. I think he could have been in the four, but he hasn't, you know, 
I was looking at Lacazette the other night and I felt like if Lacazette had failed to, you know, play a part in that winning goal, he probably would have been painted in a really bad light the next day. I think people would have jumped on him. People would have criticised him. People would have brought up that debate again about whether or not he's good enough. But for me, you know, he got his little break there based on the persistence that and the work rate that he put in. And I was delighted for him. I don't think he's quite up there in terms of player of the month. Not for me anyway, personally. Uh, but I think he's he's worth being in the conversation or at least on the shortlist. Yeah, I think that's fair. OK, um, let's move through the comments. Keep getting your comments and questions in uh, for the remainder of the show. Marshall says, big up, Harry. Definitely one of the most slept on footy talk YouTubers. Thank you, mate. He says, love the content. Do you think Liverpool will or can win the quadruple? Well, it's not impossible, but I don't necessarily think it's going to happen. I think they're more than capable of going on and winning the FA Cup. I think they're more than capable of going on and winning the Champions League. The only threat to them, for me, is uh, is Manchester City across all of those competitions. And this is the issue that they have, right? You know, they're coming up against a really strong side. I thought I watched the City game. Um, I commentated on the City game at the weekend. And, you know, I know that they were extremely fortunate with um, with a handball decision that never got given against Rodri. They did knock on the door. They did create some chances and they did probably on the balance of play deserve to, to score a goal. But they just weren't, at their brilliant best for me, City, that day. Everton matched them for large periods and did a really good job of stifling them. But at the end of the day, they got over the line. And, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, but that is one of the signs of champions, isn't it? To be able to get over the line in the way they did um, is obviously something that um, that I think is brilliant. So, yeah, um, not impossible, um, but I think it's a tall order. I really do. Uh, Jalen Brown says, off the subject, thoughts on Russia potentially being banned from the World Cup. I feel bad for the players a bit. Yeah, look, I think that the the sanctions that are being imposed on Russia right now, in a lot of ways, are fair in terms of, you know, trying to deter them from continuing this invasion in Ukraine. But the problem here, and, and you know, it's always been the problem, is that the people who don't support Vladimir Putin, the people who disagree with what he is doing. And there's a lot of them in Russia, believe me. Um, those guys and, and those people are being punished for the actions and decisions taken by a madman, basically. So, yeah, I, I do. You know, and I think for a lot of athletes, footballers, uh, sports people, one of the biggest honours is to represent your country on the international stage. And because of his actions, that's having to be taken away from them. Now, I know in the grander scheme of things, people dying is a much bigger deal than people not being able to compete at sporting events. And, and that is the first problem that needs addressing and, and the first issue at hand. But yeah, if you were an athlete and you worked hard all your life and you got to a place where you were able to compete on the world stage only for your country to be banned because of the decision and actions taken by somebody who you don't support and vehemently disagree with, it's it's going to be a bitter pill to swallow. So, yeah, I do have sympathy for a lot of the Russian people because a lot of them are anti this war. And a lot of them, uh, particularly in the world of sport, have been speaking out about that over the last few days. And so it's very important, isn't it, that when we discuss this situation and when we talk about the implications it's having on our game and on our sport and on the world in general, and of course, those innocent people who unfortunately are suffering, 
that we don't place the blame at the door of people who don't back this and don't support this. And I think it's very easy to go, oh, the Russians, the Russians, the Russians. It's Vladimir Putin. It's not all of the Russians. And um, and so, you know, because of his actions, these sanctions have to be put in place. I think it's the only way you, it sounds bad, but you kind of like, it's the way you turn those people's attentions to him. You know, those people who have grown up and and want to get out of there and want to do their own thing and want to be, renowned on the world stage that's been taken away and and you know will that encourage there to be some kind of kind of fight back uh towards vladimir putin in terms of protests and in terms of a loss of support and a loss of faith in him you'd hope so um but yeah you, you got a feel for the athletes involved for sure uh, afsar says uh why don't we uh increase the capacity of the emirate stadium for extra revenue Arsenal are due an increase by now. We don't even fill up the 60,000 most of the time, Afsa. You know, the tickets will be sold, but there'll be plenty of empty seats. I don't really know how you increase the capacity at Arsenal all that much, given the, the, the structure of the stadium. Could you fill in some of the gaps between the stands and the, you know, behind the goal and the pitch? Maybe. Could you introduce safe standing that would increase the capacity in certain areas? Probably. Uh, there are ways of doing it, I'm sure, but I, I don't really think that's a priority right now, in my opinion, anyway. Uh, OK, let's see uh, what we've got in the chat. Um, Alexander with a, an interesting comment on Eddie and Ketia, who, of course, came on against Wolves and made a positive impact. I have to say, and I've been very, very critical of Eddie and Ketia in recent times, but... Um, he did come on. He did have an impact and he did a, a good job. Uh, Alexander says, Eddie is growing into his own. I'm in the camp that wants him to move on. But I think his body has kind of grown up like how we saw Willett grow just before he was sold. Yeah, look, and with these players like, you know, uh, that are, uh, you know, on the kind of peripheries and, and are seeking moves away so that they can go on and, and hopefully fulfill and realize their potential i genuinely do wish them all the best but i just don't think eddie and Ketty is the future for arsenal i really don't but i guess the energy that he showed and the willingness he showed against wolves is probably why or has probably given us a bit of a foresight into why Mikel arteta likes him and why Mikel arteta has kept him around the place and included him in match day squads and used him from the bench even when us as fans were going, well, he's not going to be here next season. So why play him? Why use him? Clearly, he has something to offer. Clearly, Mikel Arteta thinks that. And he's taken that decision to keep him involved. And we, it benefited us on Thursday. OK, uh, let's keep uh, moving uh, through the chat box. Um uh, lots of comments on the whole Roman Abramovich thing. I, I said my bit on on Abramovich the other day and the implications that this whole thing might have uh, on Chelsea. And of course, stuff coming out today that uh, Roman Abramovich has been asked to kind of help broker peace. Mm, I'm not I'm not sure I'm buying that. But anyway, um, you know, as I said the other day, I don't know enough about Roman Abramovich's connection or link to Vladimir Putin other than what I've read on Wikipedia. Um, so I'm going to steer clear of that subject because I don't know enough about it, but just feels like a bit of a PR stunt, maybe, given that Roman Abramovich is, is probably feeling a lot of the heat right now 
because he is uh, such a prevalent figure in one of the Western countries and, and he's a high-profile owner of a very high-profile football team. So, yeah, interesting stuff. Okay, uh, I'm going to take uh, one or two more bits from the chat box and then we're going to wrap up. But before uh, we do that, just want to quickly remind you to hit that like button. If you haven't done so already, make sure you're subscribed to the channel if you are new. Check out Athletic Greens, our sponsors, and make sure you head over to our new partners, Football Prizes, for your chance to win a signed and framed Thierry Henry Arsenal shirt. What more? Could you want then that? Tickets are just £4.95. It's well worth entering the draw. It's something I'd love to have hanging here behind me. Okay. Uh, what else have we got? Do, 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 do. Uh, Alex raises an interesting point about what's going on in, in sort of Ukraine at the moment. With regards to Shakhtar Donetsk, of course, they're in a region that is, is currently, um, you know, or, or that could end up being part of Russia. So, um, yeah, um, you know, what does that mean for Shakhtar as a football club? Again, we, we're going to look at this from a football perspective because that's where we're most educated. Um, and, and football is the subject that we cover, in particular Arsenal. But it's a really good point and it's going to be really interesting to see how this all unfolds and, and how this all progresses. But at, the, at, the, at this point in time, the focus has to be on stopping the violence and saving lives. And all the other stuff can be ironed out and discussed later on. As I heard someone use the phrase uh, earlier this week that, or, or uh, sorry, late last week, that this is a problem for tomorrow and today's problems take precedence. So, um, yeah, interesting. OK, uh, I think we're going to leave it there. Don't forget, like, subscribe. You know the drill by now. And if you're listening via the audio platforms, please do leave us a review. Uh, we've discussed Arsenal's Player of the Month for February. The award I've given, me personally, to Thomas Partey, just ahead of Martin Odegaard. Um, we've also discussed the uh, increase in ticket prices ahead of next season. Don't like it, but it's something that we just have to shut up and put up with, in my opinion. And, you know, normally I'd be up in arms about it, but just because I've really seen and paid attention to what's going on in the world and what's going on with so many of the uh, kind of amenities that we have in terms of their cost, et cetera, et cetera. I think that you have to be a little bit more understanding about the increase in this particular instance. But yeah. OK, catch you all very, very soon. We'll be back tomorrow with the members mailbag and another full length episode uh, later on early evening, same time, 5 p.m. UK. Plenty more content coming this week. And we're going to start uh, looking ahead a little bit later on in the week to Arsenal's trip to Watford. Uh, on Sunday, where we'll be going looking for another three crucial uh, points in our chase uh, for a top four finish. OK, I'll catch you all very soon. Until next time. Take care. Goodbye. You're listening to the Chronicles of Aguna, the Arsenal podcast. I'm Martin Tyler, and you're listening to Harry Simeon.